a beastly chapter this morning. We are in Revelation chapter 13. Last week we saw the red dragon uh, get booted out of heaven. Uh, This week the red dragon, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, is joined by the two other members of the unholy trinity, uh, and that would be the Antichrist and the false prophet. Um, What's interesting is John records for us Satan, the red dragon, antichrist, false prophet, and they are the ultimate copycats. They are the uh, wannabes of uh, the spiritual world. Uh, And in Revelation 13, they counterfeit, reproduce artificial, bogus imitations of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, In the art world, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the folks who create fake paintings are so clever and they've gotten so good that even the experts can't tell the difference. So now no one is willing to insure, the insurance companies no longer will insure them because they're not sure is this a fake or is this a reproduction. So the sale of multi-million dollar paintings has slowed to a trickle. Um, Satan and his two beastly friends are so masterful, so deceptive in fraud and manipulation that most of the world is going to buy into their clever counterfeits. Most of the world is going to believe their phony hoax. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Turn with me if you haven't already. Revelation 13, the imposters, the pretenders are revealed and unmasked by God's word. Let's stand together. We'll read the first 10 verses and then we'll uh, finish up later on this morning with the rest of the chapter. You ready? This is God's word. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. It had 10 horns and seven heads with 10 crowns on its horns and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshiped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, 
into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Let's pray. Lord, uh, even as I reread these words again, um, this, this is a wild and a crazy picture that you've painted for us. Lord, uh, what you've inspired John to write down, the vision that he's seen, Lord, we're going to need your help to understand what's going on here. Uh, we recognize that Satan is uh, masquerading as an angel of light today. We recognize that he loves to lie and deceive and mislead. And Lord, I believe he's working overtime to do that even amongst your children, even in your church. So Lord, give us wisdom, protect us from the lies and the deception. Lord, uh, help us as we follow your son to stay tuned with him, to keep our eyes focused on your book. Show us clearly right now, Lord, what this vision has to say to us. Lord, help us to understand what it meant to believers back in the early church who were under attack. Lord, would you please show us what it means to us 2,000 years later, living in northern Michigan? Uh, We thank you for uh, the two powers that you give us to live the Christian life. We thank you for the power and the instruction that comes from your word. It's quick, it's powerful, it's active, it's alive. Lord, we thank you for the power of your spirit. Jesus in spirit form living inside each and every one of your children here today. So so thank you that you've given us all the power that we need through your word and your spirit to live successful, fruitful lives for you. Lord, help us to take advantage of the power that you've given us. Help us, Lord, to live in obedience and in connection with your son, Jesus. And Lord, if any of us this past week have gotten disconnected, if any of us have fallen down into sin and we've not gotten back up and done the U-turn, if any of us haven't run to the cross and confessed and gotten clean, Lord, we're, we're ready to do that even right now. So point it out. Point out the point of disconnect where we have disconnected ourselves from you. And Lord, as you make it clear, we're going to run to the cross and confess. And we're going to call it what you call it. You call it sin, we call it the same thing. It's sin. And we're grateful, Lord, that you've already marked in the accounts of every one of your children, paid in full by the shed blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we draw on that account right now, and we write that check of confession. Make us clean and pure and reconnect us to our Savior, our Lord, our King. And all the church at Walloon said with a loud voice, you may be seated.
last week, the first member of the unholy trinity, Satan, the old red dragon, look at verse 9, chapter 12, if you want to remind yourself, the devil, that old serpent, was thrown out of the drive through lane of heaven. Um, and what did he do? Day and night in the drive through lane of heaven. Who was he accusing day and night, 24-7, 365 days a year? Who was he accusing? You and me, yeah. Followers of Jesus, accusing us of being sinners. So every time we blow it, he's up there even right now accusing and attacking and condemning us. Now Satan is banished to earth and he's ticked. <laughs> he's really angry and now we get the last half of the tribulation. The final three and a half years begins. Verse 1, Revelation chapter 13. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea. It's been booted. And it says, And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns, seven heads, ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and mouth like that of a lion, and the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Um, I don't know if you've seen pictures of what this would look like, but it, it's a crazy looking animal. You get a leopard, it bears feet, a lion mouth, and then you got all these horns and everything. Um, the second member of the sinful counterfeit trinity is what we know popularly as the Antichrist. That's this first beast coming up out of the sea, verses 1 and 2. Um, John records for us, just take a moment, look at verse 2, uh, a beast that resembles a leopard, fast, quick, attacks without warning. It has feet like a bear, um, one of the most powerful and strong brute force animals on earth, a big old bear. Uh, the beast has a mouth like a lion, the king of the jungle, and, and what does a lion do with its teeth? Anyone? Uh, it has breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It, it chews its victims, its powerful jaws. And finally, it's got ten horns, seven heads, ten crowns on its horns. You can turn back if you like, but we get a very similar picture of animals back in Daniel chapter 7. Okay, in Daniel chapter 7, um, he's given a vision, Daniel is, and he sees coming down through history a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a ten-horned beast. Track with me for a moment, okay, a little history. Daniel is looking forward in Daniel 7 to the world powers that will come on the scene. He's looking, uh, first of all, at the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar, uh, then the Persians under Cyrus, 
Uh, Cyrus overthrew Babylon, then the Persians under Cyrus overthrow them, and then the Greeks under Alexander the Great overthrow the Persians, and the Persians under Alexander the Great are overthrown by any guesses? Uh, Rome. So it's like power, world power after world power after world power. Okay, it's like king of the mountain, and everybody keeps throwing the one down and the other one. Uh, so when John is writing here in Revelation 13, who's the king of the hill? Anybody? Rome. So Rome, the final one that Daniel saw in Daniel 7, is the dominant power. Uh, and that's what he's looking at. He's looking at this beast to come. He's looking at the rise of Satan's number two man, the Antichrist, who would have all of the attributes, track with me, of all of these dominant world powers through history. So, so this was like one beast all wrapped into one, where, whereas they were different armies, different world leaders taking power. This beast has some of the attributes of all of them, and uh, it's powerful, and it's dominant. Uh, verse 2 Satan so empowered the Antichrist that through speed and brute force and power, he's going to take charge of the entire world. That's what it's saying here. This powerful person is going to take charge of all of planet Earth. And he builds a worldwide government that expects, it's more than that, that demands allegiance. You will obey. You will worship when you're told. You will do exactly what the Antichrist is saying. That's the idea. Go back to the text, verse 3. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. So the whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he'd given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who's like our beastie? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies to exercise its authority for how long? 42 months, three and a half years. Um... So the Antichrist suffers what appears to be a mortal wound. Slide down to verse 14. It tells us a little more. Uh, That tells us the wound was a sword wound. Uh, It was a sword. Someone obviously had taken a sword and done bad things to the beast, and it looked like it was fatal, but the beast heals and recovers, and the world is impressed. The watching world says, wow, this beast has power. This guy is someone worth following. This is a fake imitation counterfeit of the death and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what I'm saying. They constantly copy and mimic and give phony, bogus imitations of the real thing. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. Here's what Paul said. This man will do the work of Satan with counterfeit powers and sign miracles. He'll use every kind of evil deception to fool those on the way to destruction. 
Why? Because they refused to love and accept the truth that would save them. They refused the cross. They refused Jesus Christ. Um, people are impressed with power and signs and miracles. Give me your attention. We have to be real careful, church, that we don't get so enamored with power and signs and miracles and ooh. And I'm just telling you, there are folks just like us, and now the whole church is all about chasing after signs and miracles and, and, and running after. But I'm telling you, as followers of Jesus, what are we called to chase after? Who are we called to chase after? And the answer is, Jesus Christ. Chase after Jesus and his word, and you're safe. I'm just telling you, these people get so impressed with the miracles and the signs, they're fooled and they're deceived. Verse 4, who's like our beast? Who's like our dragon? The Bible says, who is like our God? Who is like our Lord? And now they're saying similar, only who's like our beastie, who's like our dragon? And I want you to understand, there's lots of passive verbs here. In other words, the Antichrist is allowed and permitted to strut his stuff. God Almighty on the throne, Jesus, is allowing him to blaspheme for a limited period of time, 42 months, three and a half years. Now, now catch this, this is pretty interesting. Jesus is reclaiming planet Earth, how? By allowing Satan and the Antichrist to destroy the inhabitants of planet Earth. So, so that's his plan here, and he's going to allow them to do their thing, and in so doing, they're going to destroy everything. Verse 6. The beast, it opened its mouth to blaspheme God, to slander his name and his dwelling place in those who live in heaven. It was given power, again, passive verb, to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given, again, passive verb, authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Verse 8, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, what should you do? Well, listen, let them hear. If you go into captivity, into captivity you're going to go. If anybody's to be killed with the sword, with the sword they're going to be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. The Antichrist is going to be permitted, allowed to unleash the most intense persecution in all of history. The most intense persecution of God's people ever. The Antichrist is going to, with his world government, with his worldwide armies, wage war, attack, harass, imprison, torture, and slaughter, aiming specifically at God's people who still are following Jesus. 
they dominate, it says, uh, verse 7, look at it, every tribe, people, language, nation. This is worldwide. Everyone on earth worships the beast, the Antichrist, except for followers. It, most of them is the implication. The majority are worshiping the beast. Everyone whose name is not written in, and this is interesting, verse 8, the Lamb's book of life. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, then you are worshiping the Antichrist at this time. I want you to hold your spot. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20 real fast, okay? Revelation chapter 20 and find verse 15. I, I want to show you about this book, the Lamb's book of life. We're going to get there in several weeks, but it, it's all about judgment day. It's all about who's going to be with the Lord Jesus for eternity and who's going to be judged. Um, and then finally in verse 15, here's what it says. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Anyone whose name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life is going to suffer eternal judgment. Here's my question. This is the most important question in life, by the way. Do you know with confidence that your name is in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know with confidence that you belong to Jesus? And if we were to hold a trial and we were to put you on trial, would there be enough evidence to convict you that yes, indeed, there is evidence to support the fact that you belong to Jesus? What about the people you say you love? What about the people that you claim are your friends? Is their name written in the Lamb's book of life? When's the last time you opened up your mouth and said something to them about Jesus? Verse 10. Hang in there, church. Let's go back to Revelation 13. Hang in there patiently endure those of you here on planet earth during this time hang in there be faithful keep following Jesus this is going to be an awful time verses 9 and 10 but hang in there and be faithful endure the Lord's coming back soon is the idea okay that's the first beast um, now beginning in verse 11 there's a second beastie that uh, it appears and uh, we get the record of beast number two starting in verse 11. Then I saw a second beast. First one came up out of the sea. The second one comes up out of the earth. Um, it had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. Verse 12, it exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf. And it made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. Now, the first beast is 
a political leader. Uh, why? Because he has crowns. Crowns um, are kingly power and authority. Uh, second beast doesn't have any crowns. The second beast uh, looks like, verse 11, looks like a lamb. Now here's what's interesting. 29 times in the book of Revelation, it speaks of a lamb. 28 of the 29 times when it's talking about the lamb in the book of Revelation, it's referring to Jesus Christ, the sinless lamb of God who took our place on the cross for the sins of the world. Um, this is the one time, this is the only time where the lamb is not referring to Jesus. Um, instead, this is the one time that the lamb is referring to who? The second beast, the copy, the counterfeit lamb, if you will. Okay. Um, one more thing about lambs. Um, Look at verse 11, they don't have horns. Did you know that? Uh, this lamb had horns, uh, meaning this lamb had power. Um, this lamb had power and authority, and it also says this innocent-looking lamb spoke a very interesting language. What was the language this lamb spoke? Uh, it spoke dragonese. Uh, and, and it spoke it fluently. It, it spoke the language and the words of Satan. Um, and its duty, its job, verse 12, of the second beast is to magnify, exalt, promote the first beast, the Antichrist. So the second beast uh, is to lift up and glorify and publicize the Antichrist who was healed from this pretend mortal wound. So, now we have all three members of the satanic unholy trinity. Okay, You've got the dragon, Satan, pretending to be God the Father. Then you have the first beast, the Antichrist, mimicking Jesus the Son. And now you have the second beast, the false prophet, who is an imposter of the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. And it performed, the second beast, great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, the statue, so that the image, the statue, could speak and cause all those who refused to worship in the image to what? You're going to die. Killed all those who refused. In Mark 13, 22, Jesus warned us about this day. Mark 13, 22, it says, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive. 
Jesus said, there's coming a day, everybody, and there's going to be false prophets and false messiahs, antichrists, and they are going to do powerful stuff. Don't be deceived. Verse 23, he says, be on your guard. Be on your guard. Now, uh, you, you mean Satan could empower this false prophet to rain down fire on earth? How, how could that be? Do you recall in Job chapter 1, um, the Lord removes his hand and allows Job to be attacked by Satan. Do you recall what Satan does as soon as God's hand is removed? He, he, he rains fire down on Job's servants and cattle, and they are consumed by, any guesses? By fire. So it's already happened in history. Satan has already shown this, this trick of his. He's already rained down fire on Job's servants and cattle. Now, this is a copycat miracle. Hold your spot and go back to 11.5. Revelation 11.5. I want to show you something. The Lord's already empowered his two super witnesses to devour any of their enemies who comes after them with what? With fire. 11.5. So now this is again a copy. Well, you can do that. Now watch me and we're going to do that again. And the major focus, the duty of the false prophet, 13.14 says, his duty is to entice and deceive and intimidate the world, verse 15, to worship the Antichrist. Do everything you can to get the world to buy into worship and obeying and following the Antichrist. So he erects a statue, an image in honor of the first beast. And the price to pay, if you don't worship the, the image of the Antichrist, just like Nebuchadnezzar did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that story back in Daniel? And, and you will bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, we're not going to bow down. What did they do? Tossed them in the fiery furnace. Um, again, that, that same price is going to be high here. You refuse to worship the image, um, you're going to die. Um, finally, some people over the years have had trouble with a talking statue. Uh, really? This statue can talk and, and has power? Um, how many of you have been to Disney World? Can I see your hands? Disney World? Okay, been to the Hall of Presidents? Okay. It's amazing. They, they have talking presidents there. Did you know that? Did any of you go to uh, where those bears sing, the country bear jamboree? Did you know they have talking and singing bears? Uh, yeah, and the pirates too. Yeah, yo-ho, yo-ho. Uh, here, here's the point. Technology is advancing every single day. Uh, there was a time they couldn't even imagine this. But today you, you say, yeah, yeah, I, I could see how, how they could do that today. Um, again, it, it continues to press forward. Verse 16. The false prophet, the second beast, also forced all people great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. 
Okay, now we're in the book of Revelation, aren't we? Yeah, now, now we're talking about the good stuff. Uh, false prophets going to force everybody on earth. You will receive the mark of the beast, and you'll either get it on your hand or on your forehead. Did you know this is a copycat as well? Back in chapter 7 of Revelation, verses 2 and 3, the Lord Jesus puts his seal on the forehead of the 144,000. So they're saying, well, well, they did it, now we're going to do it too. And that's exactly what they do. And, and this is Satan's attempt to get everyone to declare, are you on my team or are you on Jesus' team? Whose team are you on? Who are you going to follow? And uh, if you claim to follow Jesus, here's the pressure. He, here's, here's the rub. If you claim to be on Jesus' team, you may not buy, you may not sell, you are going to lose the ability to make money or buy food. There's going to be a huge cost if you choose Jesus at this time. Now, today... Uh, we can put computer chips in dogs and cats. It's fairly common. I won't ask if anybody has a chip in your dog or cat. But they, even today, you can get a chip implanted under your own skin. Uh, and, and they can track you. And they can monitor you, your health in many ways. Um, so here's the question. I've been asked this, Bob. I'm sure you have. Should we refuse any and all computer chip technology? Uh, should we all stop uh, shopping any place that has barcodes? I've, I've heard that. Uh, because if it's barcodes, that's beastly technology. Don't go there. Let's go where they have to look up the price and type it in because we don't want to have beastly technology. Okay, I'm going to give you your answer right now. You ready? Uh, should, should, we, should we just say no thank you to all these chips and everything? And here's the answer. If the store you shop at, if your veterinarian or your doctor say, before I put this chip in, before I ring your groceries, you have to choose. Deny Jesus and follow Satan. If that's what they're announcing to you before they put the chip in, then say no thank you, okay? And if that's not their motive then that has nothing to do with Revelation chapter 13, okay? Uh, can, I, can I just say, refusing technology is not going to stop the satanic trinity from coming on scene. Us saying, no, I don't want any technology around, that will not prevent uh, the satanic trinity, Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, from taking charge at the end of the book of Revelation. It really has nothing to do. However, if somebody before they want to talk technology is asking you, deny Jesus and follow Satan, okay, now you got a problem. I think I'm going to have to say no thank you. Okay? So if, if that's what they're asking, then that's where you draw the line. No thank you. I'm not going there. Verse 18. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and that number is, say it with me, six, six, six. Uh, the number of the beast is 666. Do you remember on what day man was created? It, we were created on the what? The sixth day. 
Number six is the number of man. Give me your eyes. Both beasts are men. Both beasts are human beings totally devoted, totally possessed, totally obsessed by Satan, Lucifer, the devil, the evil dragon. That's what it's saying here. People have looked at verse 18 and they said, oh, I think that means we're supposed to try to calculate who the beast is. And, and usually it's something like this. You, you take Greek words and Roman numerals and then you add them and then you divide them by six. And, and if you do that, uh, you come up with words. And, and, and I've read, uh, you can come up with Hitler, Mussolini, Gorbachev. Uh, if, if you take the Greek letters and assign them Roman numerals, Kissinger. I've read Al Gore's name comes up, Prince Charles, uh, Lady Gaga, Hillary Clinton, Elmo and the Big Bird can come up if, if you do it right. I'm just telling you that the idea isn't for us to try to figure out who it is. The key point is he's coming, he's going to be a man, and he's going to be beastly. It's going to be awful. That's the idea. Here's the key point of this entire chapter. Throughout history, everyone either belongs to Jesus Christ and is following his words and his revelation, or they're following some other philosophy, some other ideology other than Jesus Christ and the cross, which means, give me your eyes, they're following Satan and the two beasts. You can divide everybody on planet Earth into two camps. You're either a follower of Jesus, you're devoted to him, you're following his ways, or you're following some other philosophy, some other ideology, and all the other philosophies and ideologies come under the camp, under the heading of Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet. Well, that's pretty strong, Pastor Jeff. You're right, it is. But I think John 14:6 makes it pretty clear. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, no one comes to the Father except through how? There's no plan B. There are no other options to eternal life. It's Jesus and only Jesus. Now the early church that this was written to, they were under attack by the Roman authorities. The early church, they were being forced to choose. Choose Jesus Christ is Lord or choose Nero or Domitian as your Lord. And if you don't choose Nero or Domitian, we're going to kill you. That's what they were facing. John records for us in a vision that same choice is coming once again. Everyone is going to be forced to choose. Will you say yes to Jesus? And the price is going to be really high. Or will you take the mark of the beast and you're going to pay later? You're going to follow the real deal, the Savior and the, the God and the creator of the universe, or are you going to follow the fake imposters? 
We've got to make up our mind now. Do you understand? We make up our mind today. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to serve? Who's going to be your God? Who are you going to follow with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Who are you going to choose? Bow your heads and shut your eyes as we close. And Lord, even as we uh, calm our hearts and shut our eyes for the next few moments, we want to ask, would you make it clear what choice we've made, what choice we're making right now today? Are we following hard with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Who are we choosing with our behavior, with our words? Who have we chosen with our allegiance? This is the most crucial question that I'm ever going to ask. And honestly, this is the most important question that you'll ever answer. And here's the question. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Remember that verse? Anyone whose name was not found written in the Book of Life was thrown into the lake of fire. Is there evidence and fruit to back up your answer? Because if you're not certain here today, if you don't have complete confidence that Jesus has taken up residence in your life, if there's not clear evidence that Jesus has changed you from the inside out, let's answer that question today. Let's clear up the uncertainty. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray for you right now. So I need to ask, is there anyone here who'd say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I I, I need to make sure. I need to be confident. I need to affirm and with clarity and confidence know that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I, I need to nail that one down with certainty even right now. So uh, would you pray with me and pray for me even today if there's, if there's some doubt, if there's some, I don't know, I hope so. If there's any of that thinking, today I want to nail that down. Is there anybody? I'm not going to embarrass you, but boy, I'd love to pray with you and pray for you. Who, who here would say, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know for positive that my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. But, but right now, I want to settle that issue. Anybody? Yeah. Is there anybody else? I'm not sure. I'm going to clear that up with your... Yes. Yeah. Is there anyone else? Okay, church. Many of you, you know that you know. So as we go through the gospel facts, you're going to reaffirm 
what it is you're standing on, what, what it is that brings new life, and it's the gospel, and it's the facts. And those of you who are unsure, who are uncertain, or maybe you're quite certain that your name's not written, this is how you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. It's by faith. You believe the facts, and you receive the person of the facts, Jesus Christ. Okay? So here we go, church. Out loud, everybody, you're either going to reaffirm, and you're going to say, this is what I stand on, this is the gospel, or, or if you're uncertain, you're declaring this is what's going to put my name in that book by faith. You ready? Out loud with it, me. Jesus, I believe. You are the sinless Lamb of God. And Jesus, I believe that you took my place on the cross. And Jesus, I believe that you shed your blood on the cross for my sin problem. And Jesus, I believe you took my place in the tomb. And Jesus, I believe early on Sunday morning you arose from the dead for me. And Jesus, I believe you defeated sin and you defeated Satan and you defeated death and you did that for me. And by faith, Jesus, I choose to receive you as my Savior and my King. Write my name down in the Lamb's book of life. I receive you right now, and I choose to follow you all the days of my life. And those are marvelous facts. Those are powerful life-changing facts and we believe those facts we receive Jesus the giver the author of those facts and we allow him to take charge and if you did that for the first time if you reaffirm that if you were unsure would you tell somebody today before you head out tell somebody hey I made that choice I made that choice I want you to know if uh, you uh, are in need this morning. We have the prayer chapel open. We've got a team. They're ready to pray with you, to pray over you. Um, and uh, just want you to know that uh, we have some folks who'd love to love on you even today. Um, Pastor Tim, I actually think we have time.